Oh my gosh, just get over it. Just get it together. Okay, snap out of it. It doesn't even exist. There's no such thing. Oh, well, actually, it's everywhere. It's not just you. Everyone has it. You should just take a pill. You want to get a drink? Hey, hey, friend. Welcome again to the Think Again and Be podcast. I am your host, Dami. And you might be like, what? What is she talking about? I'm going there today. I'm going, I've been so excited to bring this conversation to you about the other side of depression, or rather, the other half. It's been burning on my heart to get this out to us about this very key thing that God has literally given to us to get us free from depression blows my mind each and every single time. All right, before I get into this, a little background here. I love mystery shows, and I love like just the the good old Sherlock Holmes type quirky character, genius way of solving a problem, not too much focus on the actual crime itself because I don't want to see the gory stuff. I just want to get into like the the drama behind figuring it out. I do love simple reruns, TV programs. I keep it super simple when I do watch TV. So I was watching this new elementary, um, the Sherlock Holmes version of modern day one, one of the ones modern day. Um, Recently, and there was an episode where Sherlock and his partner Joan were trying to get the attention of a psychiatrist. I believe this, it was a psychiatrist. And, you know, he was unavailable. I think he was actually uh, trying to be evasive of uh, Sherlock and Joan. And uh, he gets in there and he totally goes, I can't come back. You know, so he's trying to get an appointment or trying to get in. And, you know, this person's assistant is like giving him the blow off of the runaround and whatnot. And so, he goes, Sherlock, such a character, right? He goes, um, I can't, I can't wait for another day. I can't come back because right now I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like I might do something to myself and blah, blah, blah. And so he's acting it out, totally being facetious, by the way. And, you know, the assistant looks at him and she just shakes her head. Like it's such a technicality, but basically she's just like, yeah. So you know that if you threaten suicide, I have to get you in to see the doctor right away right because they just can't like even though he's totally being facetious the fact that he said those words um caused allowed him to get in there and see this doctor so of course he got in there and he got to see the doctor he got to ask some questions and all of that but you know the lady just rolled her eyes because it was such a technicality now obviously that's that's hilarious and i cracked up but you know what's crazy friend I remember, I remember that personally years ago. Oh my gosh. It was um, my very first time going in to see, I, I, I think I might've been referred. I can't really remember some of the aspects of the, some of those blurry days. Cause you know, like I've mentioned before, I definitely have, have had my experience and background dealing with um, depression. And um I do remember, you know, going in there and I remember the the doctor didn't have availability for a few weeks. And at that time, just everything that I, I, I was sensing that was so on me. I, and I didn't know. OK, I didn't know. I never I didn't know what Sherlock and his show knew or anything like that. I just, you know, when you're so hopeless, when you, when a person is just functioning so hopelessly, the future really looks quite dim and obscure. In fact, um, I'm going to go ahead and even read out a verse here, a, a footnote, actually, from Isaiah 61, which I'm going to be circling back to here in a bit. But there's a footnote that really caught my attention because I thought, what an apt way of describing 
what this is. But, you know, in um, the TPT, the Passion Translation, it's called the spirit of heaviness, right? Um, This is depression, heaviness. I can see where, you know, that's the word that's being used. And the footnote emphasizes and says, or the spirit of failure, right? Oh, goodness. And I could totally, I had a strong association with failure um, at that time, uh, probably one of my first rounds. And the Hebrew word for heaviness, right, kehe, if I'm pronouncing it right, comes from a root word for dark, dim, obscure, colorless, gloom. And man, those are completely apt words to describe even in that specific time period because I had many bouts. But in that particular one, um, colleges, I absolutely agree with each and every one of those words. And so I say that all that to say, as I stood in that office, three weeks out for me was like, I don't know if I'll be here. I don't know if I can make it. I don't know. Like, I just had so much of that, uh, that, that self-loathing, despair, hopelessness, just wanting to disappear, right? Hanging around and over me. And gosh, just, I, I mean, I'm good now, but it's just even remembering that it's, It's just insane. And so I remember saying that to the secretary in the place saying, I don't know. And, you know, she, she, I think they're well-trained, right? To just pick up code words. I don't remember if I specifically said, hey, I'm just going to go, you know, get rid of myself by then. But I was definitely being truthful in just knowing if I could hang out, hang around for that long. And so because of that, um, she basically got me a pretty quick appointment. I can't remember if it was the same day or maybe the next day or something, but somehow his schedule opened up rather quickly. <laughs> um, I guess I got priority. And so it was so interesting watching that episode with Sherlock and Jonan going, oh my gosh, I've actually truly experienced it, not facetiously, but truly experienced it. And the talk with the the psychiatrist, which, you know, this was some years back and I, I think there's definitely an aspect of it that was still being practiced, the talk. And, you know, I, I feel like we we went from the sad joke about being on the couch for years and years. And some people say, oh, you just, you, they just charge you and you don't seem to get better, which I know is not true. Um, it's just, you know, I guess it's a, it's a joke. But now it's kind of like, what couch? Like you're just getting pills now, you know? So anyway, sorry, bad joke. Don't mean to ruffle your feathers. <laughs> okay. But um, I just really wanted to um, give a prelude to knowing for sure that in all the things that I, I get into today to understand that there's definitely a lot of camaraderie with this journey with you or, you know, anyone that I know could could be struggling with depression because this is a deep um, place in my heart as far as this calling to see people set free, see to, to see deliverance and true deliverance, true lasting deliverance and tools, right? And equipping, a, a lasting, sustaining equipping against this onslaught, okay? I've been in the trenches and I haven't even been um, exempt from attacks and sudden things, you know, but because of just the mercy and the goodness and the love of God and the, the shift into grace and certainly all of the um, the coaching and just the practice of renewing the mind and all of the, the tools that I've been equipped with over the years, I just love to pour out, pour out into you, just pour out and just say them over and over. Some of them are so unconventional. Some of them are so under-celebrated, right? Um, but they're truth. 
And it's, it's lasting, right? Because truth sets free and love for sure sets free. So that's really what I'm getting into today is that D word and just kind of dissecting different aspects of it. It's definitely going to be a multi-part uh, series as well. As we've come to know, I think this is going to be our thing, right? Um, I'm looking forward to in future episodes talking about lifestyle plans, right? To help even in natural lifestyle, non-invasive, non-toxic lifestyle plans to help with dealing with this in the, you know, in the natural realm. But today, let me get into it. All right. So really speed up to a, a more recent times. Um, one other thing happened. <laughs> so a little background as to when I started to notice some of the you know, just just observing society and culture, um, again, being privileged to navigate through different aspects of culture, different parts of the world, and just my observation. So some years back, man, it was, whoo, it was dramatic. It was very interesting, but I experienced like a broken engagement. And, you know, like it or not, today I'm not getting into that story. But point being, you know, everything had been really set up plans and invitations and all that stuff was just in the works and there was just you know just having a large community involved it was it you know I, I definitely felt all the aspects of you know the disappointment at that time and really it was a blessing in disguise you know what I mean like it's just who it had to happen and I couldn't be more grateful that that engagement was broken right now obviously there's grief you know just broken expectations the limited understanding that you have at a time when something that even actually turns out for your good at that time, you didn't necessarily know that, right? So, of course, I didn't necessarily know in the exact moment at the beginning, but, you know, it was obviously it was just something that needed to happen. So, point being that, obviously, even in broken relationships, we do have grief, right? We're mourning losses and whatnot. So, um, you know, what was really taking place here was grief. And I know that there are several causes um, of depression, right? And sometimes there may seem to not be a cause of the depression because it's just something that's just hanging over you or hanging around a person. But in this case, it really was grief. And I feel like there was an onset wanting to turn into depression. And I just, I was aware, thankfully, you know, because I wasn't a novice at that time, but I was aware. And so what was interesting is I was having a conversation with a well-meaning person, well-meaning loved one. And, you know, one of the things that I just quickly heard to kind of help me was, oh, no, 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 don't even just don't even go there. It doesn't even exist. You just need to understand that depression. Once you just understand that it doesn't exist, it'll have no power over you. And I realized, you know, because of someone, like I said, I admire and I saw that this may very well be that person's approach to handling, you know, the difficulties that they may have faced and really just becoming an overcoming. And it was a tool that just seemed like it worked. And I could understand that. But in the same token, I thought, man, um, knowing what I knew and thankful for what I knew, even I couldn't necessarily agree with that line of thought per se. And I just felt like if the average person wasn't nearly as equipped as I am, you know, as I was, right, that response was not necessarily effective, you know, because it may sound like avoidance and avoidance is not a, a proactive way of dealing with something. Um, evasion, right? It's just not a proactive way of dealing with something. And my heart started to hurt because I realized how many people, because remember, Getting into this, I, I, I had mentioned in my getting to know you, my previous episode, I had mentioned that we started to realize that um, 80% of the inner dialogue of the average person was torment. And 
I just was concerned because I knew the the journey that I took by myself. Um, obviously, there were prayers for me and whatnot, but just the journey that I took by myself initially, and then just being able to get hear the voice of God and the hand of God just lead and walk me through all of this. I just wish that there was definitely way more confrontation of this issue. And I could see how culturally, though, um, many of these things come into play. So like I've heard in, in certain aspects of some Asian culture, this may sound like avoidance or evasion, but I know that there's also this act of, hey, you don't want to speak that out there. And I understand not speaking something to life. OK, so, you know, my background will definitely get to know each other better and I get that part. So I can't say that I'm fully intimate with the concept, but I feel like I've heard, you know, versions of, hey, we're just not even going to go there. We're just not going to mention it because then it comes alive and it becomes a real thing once you acknowledge it. But, you know, my question was, well, what if in a case someone, it's not so much about acknowledging and becoming friends with it. It's just a problem that has a root cause that needs to be targeted sometimes, right? Some things for sure can definitely go away if you give it no place and you don't acknowledge it or give it the glory that it's looking for. Um, so I really just feel like this has to do with really operating not out of fear or evasion or hiding, but really out of a core truth, being equipped with the right tools and, of course, compassion, right? Absolute compassion. So all these cultural differences are very intriguing to me, though. You know, like I said, from one aspect of like the Nigerian culture that I was kind of hearing or Asian culture as I'm hearing. And then, of course, now we're in the Western world where, yeah, it just seems like it's so preeminent, you know, depression and stress and emotional mental health crisis and all of that is quite preeminent. There is quite a bit of talk about it. And for many reasons, I do believe that is good. But there are some areas that actually concern me. And this is that other side that I wanted to discuss today. All right, so let's quickly go over the causes of depression. Like I mentioned earlier, I had an event that was causing me grief. Now, this was technically nothing compared to the other types of depression that I've experienced over in my life, you know. But again, because of the scenario that I'm setting up as far as like just culture and impressions and the way we're having conversations around this unfortunate, you know, preeminent disease right now, I'm just going to stick to this focus, right? I, I don't want us to get too emotional. I just really want us to have a high level understanding of what's happening. And so, you know, anything from like the death of a loved one, obviously divorce, loss of a job, health issues, right? Financial issues and pressure, work, right? And loneliness, and then, of course, just having the, the emotional imbalances, right? Background stuff, background trauma, um, grief and anger, like, I, you know, esteem issues and things like that. Just the burden of caring for others and whatnot. So and any number of things could definitely trigger grief and grief in itself then can turn into depression or maybe they don't trigger grief and it could just trigger depression because then there's a dissatisfaction there is a weight right a burden to be depressed right it's to just be pressed down to be laid low and so um that i feel like is pretty easy to understand and to recognize and then there are instances where it would seem that there is no cause right and I don't necessarily believe that there is no cause. I just think there's just more of a root cause. And root causes could have taken place, you know, a long time ago. They could be things that can take place even just within the heart and the spirit of a person. And they're just manifesting eventually, right? They could definitely be environmental, you know? It could be just the surrounding, your surrounding. It could be what's on other people that can totally just kind of like affect you. So there's so, unfortunately, so many different places that this I call it a spirit of depression, right? Because a spirit in and of itself is something that has 
a personality and a purpose, right? I need you to understand that because I left depression as just being, oh, extreme sadness and started to understand it as I battled it through my years, start to realize, oh my gosh, this is a distinct thing in and of itself. Whether something has happened, whether something has not happened, it just seemed like it was something that wanted to hang over me press me down and cause me to take certain decisions and actions and whatnot. So I truly believe that in its root self, there just like there's a spirit of fear, right? And all of that, there's a spirit of depression. And we'll get to more of that pretty soon. So that's obviously uh, the plethora of where causes of depression can take place. And then, of course, there is just religion, mere religion. You know, I'm huge on us being set free from religious burnout, right? Just part of my paradigm shift that I've been talking about where God just being so good to me was finally able to just deliver me from the grip of my own self-righteousness and the self-righteousness of others within a faith that I actually chose, right? But yet I wasn't hearing the good news, the full news of this faith. And I wasn't hearing it daily and over and over. I wasn't understanding the covenant promise behind it. I wasn't definitely not understanding the nature of the person to whom all of this belongs, which is Jesus. And so when, you know, just picture that you were to have like an authority figure, a parent figure or whatnot, who's only dealing with you is to remind you of your absolute imperfection, your terrible state, right? And your inability to meet up to his or her perfect standards, right? And this is the performance-based transactional interaction that you have with them on a daily basis. Just imagine what your state would be like. And so religion, right, has done such a shoddy job of representing God, right? Even with just within like believers, like in Christianity, within faith in Christ, right? Supposedly in Christ, right? So not look at me. I'm all about solidarity for the body of Christ. I'm here as a lover of the body. So this is not me trying to like be mad and scream and blame. No, this is not the point. But I'm talking about that spirit of religion in and of itself, the mere religion, the one that is apart from the heart of God, right? It, which operates in any, any society, any organization, in and out of Christianity, but it's in and of itself as a spirit because this spirit is a departure from the heart of the one true God. And so because people will subscribe to religion or call it Christianity or whatever it is, they'll subscribe to this. They'll come in, they have, they have intentions of trying to get right and all that stuff. And what's being reiterated, even if it's not being said directly, is a very weighty spirit of just performance-based mentality of sin management, which you can't get out of it by yourself, and a total lack of centered focus on Christ alone. And even if there's supposedly the centered focus on Christ alone, it's a Christ that is not as represented in scriptures to us. It's a Christ that's just being a brand name of just religion. And so because the person and the true nature of Christ is just not being unveiled to you, I believe this is the reason why many believers are just as depressed as the rest of the world. Because, I mean, come on, you come into something and you, you're just like, yes, this is, this is wonderful. And then you're not being properly taught. I'm, I'm going to go into a full-fledged rant because, you know, I am passionate about this, right? Reaching out to you, possibly you, or anyone who's just burnt out on religion because this was where the goodness of God met me, oh my God, and turned me to himself. He, he told me, I was like, I, I didn't say turn away from your sin. I didn't just say that. I said, turn to me, turn to Jesus. Your focus is going to determine your outcome. 
right? So I believe that's another root cause of depression that people for a long time will probably not be able to pinpoint. Because again, we're used to it being just, I just feel really sad. I don't know why. Or, oh, I feel really sad because this happened. But because we don't know, right? We can't know and say, oh, I'm depressed because of course I'm trying to please a God supposedly who is unpleasable, but I really need what he's got because I don't know. I don't want to burn in hell or whatever it is that we're saying. You know, and so this is not what God said. He talked about the ministry of reconciliation. Oh my gosh. Reconciliation, Second Corinthians chapter five, my favorite chapter. Okay, one of my favorite chapters. It's just talking about God is making his appeal to you and through you. And he's literally saying, you are already forgiven. Okay, he's saying you now have the ability to change your mind, to repent. I'm going to give it to you because guilt will certainly destroy you. And you know what? The one who made you and created you knows this, knows that you cannot thrive under guilt. And God is a God of compassion and understands that when you are weighted down by not just your sin, but just your but your distractions as well. He comes to save. He comes to set free and deliver. And he comes to demand your focus because as you behold him, you are being transformed. That's how it works. Not as you behold what you need to change and what you need to fix and how you need to get it right and how you need to earn his love and his attention and his forgiveness. No, it's as you behold him, right? Second Corinthians 3, 18, another favorite passage. Please look it up, right? We are transformed by beholding the one that we are created to be like, the one who we already are like in our spirit once we have put our full faith and trust in him, right? This is who we are in the image of God. And as you look at what you are, right, then you become it, you manifest it. You just gotta keep your eyes on. But of course, you're not gonna wanna look at one whom you've heard and you think just despises you, can't stand you, don't like you, thinks that you're just, oh, you. there's so much work I gotta do on you. Many people, especially if you're not like a type A personality, can't really withstand that. You may front and pretend and try to act like you're being around stuff. Oh, you can do religion all day. You can do activities all day. But you know, like Joyce Meyer said, you could park yourself in a garage all day long, put yourself there, but you're not a car. You could be in a building that belongs to a church. Yeah, you can do a lot of activities, but you are still functioning out of a religious spirit. And if you're earning points by doing all those things, your self-righteousness is truly increasing. And you know what else is happening? There's no glory going to Jesus who is the only one who deserves all of the credit and all the all the accolades because it was his perfection, his being pleasing to God the Father that was able to destroy the grip of sin on your life. He's the one who earned it all for you. And he, because of his love and compassion, offers it to you freely. And it takes faith to receive it because of course, when you're aware of your shortcomings and your sin, it's just like, how can I? How can this reckless just crazy love. How can it all be for me? How can he truly just not see me as what I did? How can he really see me as himself? How can he really approve? It's just amazing. And yet that pleases him, right? That's the faith that pleases him. The one that says, you know what, God, I'm going to give the glory and the credit to Jesus. Not my flesh, not myself, not the devil, not the accusation, not the guilt, not the past, but to him because he is worthy of it. I like to tell um, friends and family all the time, preach the gospel to yourself every day every day. That's what you should be doing. It just never gets old. Righteousness as a gift, when I realized that, I'm like, oh my gosh, self-righteous me. I was calling other people self-righteous because I was looking at like the the bold, clear hypocrisy, right? Like, yeah, that's just the Pharisee. Yeah, for sure. Until I was confronted. Anyway, um, if, if we are walking in the true revelation of what the gospel truly is, the almost too good to be true news, right? Depression has got to 
break. Depression doesn't get to have the stronghold that it has on so many friends, family, and believers. And so I believe that that is another core um, cause of depression or rather a, a cohabitor of depression. You know what I mean? So it's just because that there's just no foundational rooting or assurance of approval and acceptance, um, especially when it has to do with issues of like, because, you know, you mess up and you might get depressed depending on how much of an achiever and a high performer you like to be and get things right. You know, like I, I was. And so it's not going to help if your script is full of condemnation already when the one that you're looking to for salvation, you're not sure if you're just merely always dangling over hellfire. <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's another root cause that I would say for depression. All right, friends. So I'm going to split this up into another discussion. So it's going to be about a couple more in the series. But I'm so glad that you've listened so far. And I'm really looking forward to, oh my goodness, bringing us to the conclusion of this other side of depression, which I find that it may not be new, but it may be super revelatory. You know, there's a difference between getting getting information and getting revelation or just really understanding foundational principles. And this is what I've just, it's been burning on my heart to get this out to us about this very key thing that God has literally given to us to get us free from depression blows my mind each and every single time. So I'm looking forward to connecting with you in the next episode. You have an excellent, excellent rest of the day. Please share this with someone. Um, I know that this is going to be super helpful for someone's heart out there. And I want you to join me on this mission to reach every heart and every home. Leave a review. Tell me what you think. Ask me some questions. And I look forward to our very next one. And I need you to get your hopes up.